You, you just uh, took the words straight out of my mouth. It's, it's, it is lowering the barriers of entry. I'll give you an example, actually. It was just two weeks ago that we signed uh, one of our newest customers that um, a, a year back they uh, were looking around on the market and they, uh, they found out ultimately that, yeah, we're not going to be able to afford uh, a designated core for financial services part for the next one or two years. Mm. Um, and and then we um, then we came along and and we showed them that there is another way. So uh, now what we're doing for them is implementing the full core for them to be starting out on on significantly lower cost that you would have with any of the uh, legacy providers. Yeah. Because how we do it is actually quite simple. So what, so the one thing being that we do it. Uh, do implementations according to the customer's needs. Uh, and the second thing is the uh, software as a service, let's say, pay-as-you-grow modeling, uh -huh. uh, by which we are determining the costs on the basis of what they are using mm -hmm. and the actual volumes that they're running on the platform. So it's not about you know the number of applications or anything like that, because right. we know that this doesn't really correlate with the business itself, not too much. But we are pricing it exactly on the basis of how many active contracts do you have as of today. So if they are growing, we are growing as well. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Future Of here at Nordic Fintech Magazine. My name is Chris and at the risk of being simplistic, the credit process of making a decision, monitoring it and collecting it has remained unchanged for millennia. However, we are seeing a strong mindset shift in the way in which banks and other lenders go about issuing credit. Long gone are the days of all-you-can-eat infrastructure where banks and credit organizations resolute to develop their core systems in-house would build them with excess capacity to account for future growth and peak demand. Modular scalability is the new cool. In our recent trip to Estonia, we had the opportunity to sit down with Ian Kala, CXO at Bankish, a company that is building a pay-as-you-grow cloud banking platform on which clients can plug-and-play ecosystem solutions in a modular and scalable way. In this lively conversation, you'll learn how Bankish is reducing barriers to market entry, accelerating speed to market, reducing costs, and allowing lenders to focus on what they are best at, powering their customers' dreams. Ian, great to meet you. Thank you so much for coming and spending time with us. Pleasure, thank you for having me. Okay, let's, let's just get started. Tell us a little bit about you. Tell us who you are and what you do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, my background is in the financial services and about three years ago I joined Bankish full-time as the customer experience officer or a CXO as we call myself today. Uh, what I particularly deal with is, is the customers and uh, the partners which are very interlinked in, the, in our area of business where we supply a core part of their technology infrastructure and uh, alongside that our partners are supplying all of the bells and whistles, some of the additional services that we are not core, let's say, partners for or core, uh, don't have the core knowledge for. Mm -hmm. So we are utilizing the full extent of, uh, of let's say, fintech expertise mm -hmm. for all of our customers to be building out solutions relevant to them. Right, okay. Um, so let's, let's take it from, from the start. Tell us what is Bankish core value proposition and 
I'd like to know specifically what problem is it solving in the market. Mm -hmm. So yeah, well, Bankish actually, I'll give you a bit of a founding story on that. Mm -hmm. uh, even though I wasn't one of the founders of Bankish, I was right next to it when it was born. So it all started from a financial institution needing a new core infrastructure for their own uh, use. Uh -huh. And looking at the market back then, it was either one of the two extremes. So either you have very bulky, very expensive core banking supplies, legacy technologies, or you would have very limited but cheap solutions that are not interconnecting to all of the other ones over there. So you would have something for your mortgages, something for your leasing, etc., etc., and all of the different parts of the credit process, for example. So origination, loan management, debts management, everything very separated. But all of those individual pieces, super cheap to be handling, mm -hmm. right? Um, so back then we were using already a software as a service proposition. We weren't the ones to be building out first our own or doing something on top of their knee, mm -hmm. um, putting a lot of money into it. No, that wasn't us. Uh, so we were already using a uh, like an external solution provider. Mm -hmm. But at one point we realized that, okay, if if roughly 90% of our business is out of the scope of the system that we're currently using, that it makes sense to seek for something else. Yeah. So ultimately, yeah, we came back with the market response and, and saw that there is a gap in the market for players such as ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we quite quickly saw that we have also the, the capability of running it through ourselves to be building it up. Yeah. So, uh, some sort of a new value proposition towards the financial institutions, uh, creditors and, and smaller banks of the future, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, hence why we put together, uh, and, and this is where the team's competence really comes in, because it's 30 years of financial services experience across four, multiple channels on the IMFs and the NASDAQs and everything on that side. Wrapping that up together with the core banking IT knowledge with our CTO having like four or five core banking solutions in his background, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to build out a solution that is A, a fit for the financial institutions that would be using them because mm -hmm. it's built by professionals. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, built reasonably as a core banking platform. Yeah. So that there is an the mix of the two expertise parts are, are really bringing this all together. So what, what we serve today is ultimately a credit and deposits management solution, mm -hmm. which, uh, which covers end-to-end -end processes for our customers and across the entirety of the product spectrum. So if you're thinking about credit products, you can all define them in Bankish in virtually drop-down menus. So we built just a product suit mm -hmm in which our customers can build up their own value proposition, their own financial products for the markets without contacting the IT saying, hey, could you develop this product for me, you know? Yeah, uh, and, and presumably wait 18 months before it's ready, right? Exactly. Okay, so um, <clears throat> I think if we look at the, at, the, at the market five years in the past, even cloud storage was like, a, was like, uh, like no, we should not go there, right? Uh, I think things have changed very quickly mm -hmm. to, to the point that now we have core banking offerings on, based on cloud services. So um, the, the, the question I have for you is, we're, we're seeing now a number of, of, of core banking uh, solutions coming in various parts of the market. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say is the key di the differentiator that Bankish has? I think what, uh, what, what makes the most sense for our customers is the fact that they are able to come and, and launch 
very quickly and very cost-efficiently or, or not resource-heavy. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned the, how, how the markets have changed over the past five years. I'll, I'll one-up you on that. Mm -hmm. Because five years ago, most of the credit institutions, banks themselves, banks still do, but most of the credit institutions, they all were 10 nails keeping to their own technical infrastructures. Yeah. We are building it ourselves. Mm -hmm. we, are, we are doing it ourselves because it's, it's very inter integral to our business. Yeah. But in reality, I would argue that the credit process have been roughly the same for the past 5,000 years. <laughs> so you have to make a decision somehow, you have to monitor it, and you have to collect it. Mm. So ultimately speaking, the processes are the same. Some of the bits and pieces might be moving around a bit, but ultimately it's the same. Now, this has shifted like three years back, or, or perhaps, perhaps just before the big C, uh, we, uh, we, we saw a shift in the mindset of credit institutions that they at once finally realized that the paradigm had shifted quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So now if you're thinking of the value of your credit company, if you were to sell it, mm -hmm. the value is determined by the quality of the portfolio that you have, not the IT system that it's running on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hence, why does it make sense for every financial institution to be a part-time, you know, information technology yeah. company yeah. it really doesn't and and what we are bringing to the market as a as a value proposition if you want to put it this way is uh, we're giving them the opportunity to focus on the business whilst we take care of the IT right well, okay that's that's really interesting then so so what you're saying is that at least part of the market has really warmed up to the idea that they don't need to run their own infrastructure, that they can focus on just the, the, the credit assessment, the risk management, the mm -hmm. collection and, and the core processes and have someone else deal with, with, the, with the technical part. Yeah. Now, um, I, I guess perhaps this is now and, and maybe still not fully uh, adopted by, by, by the entire market. As you say, some banks still are very, very cagey about their infrastructure. Um, what, are, what are the main challenges that you find in, in still bringing a product to market that perhaps a significant part of the, of the industry mm -hmm. says like, no, we keep this in-house? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Before I answer that, uh, a lot of the, let's say, why, uh, whys of, of why some of those players in the market are still keeping, keeping to their own technical infrastructures and, and, and uh, maintaining the, the fact that they have to develop everything themselves mm -hmm. is mostly because they have built up solutions that, over the course of tens of years. Yeah. So now they're layering. And at one point it becomes such a monolith that mm -hmm. you'd rather not touch it mm -hmm. before it breaks. You know? <laughs> so uh, so as, of, um, as of today, I would, uh, I would argue that uh, the, uh, the, the main challenge that we are facing, and, and ultimately speaking, it's our customers facing that challenge. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's, uh, it's a difficult sale for us, sure. But uh, the, the customers are, are, who have, uh, are the real ones who have the problem, right? Mm -hmm. So they are today struggling the most with the fear of change. Because the, what they've been seeing around for the legacy core banking solutions and stuff like that, you're seeing the Barclays, you're seeing the HSBCs do huge digital transformation projects. Yes. We're talking years, we're talking ten, tens, of, tens, of, uh, tens of millions if, if, yeah, if we're going to HSBCs and Barclays, billions, right? Mm -hmm. Being invested into the digital infrastructure and, um, and, and that sees the fear of many of the smaller players on the market as well as like, we cannot reasonably afford anything to that extent mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh, it's it's a really difficult point at which them for, for them to be you know even be openly looking at the market right 
Um, okay, um, a bit earlier you mentioned, uh, you, make, you made a distinction between customers and partners. So I'm, I'm interested to know who are your typical customers and who are your typical partners? Mm -hmm. Well, very good, yeah. Uh, when it comes to our typical customers, it's uh, as of today, quite a young company still, Bankish is. Uh, we have been uh, so, uh, solving the digital problems um, for mainly smaller financial, small to mid-sized financial institutions. And these can range from wall to wall in terms of their size and, and the function that they're carrying out. So some of them are just business vendors. Some of them are just consumer credit providers. Mm -hmm. Some of them mix up the two, banks, credit unions, you name it. So uh, as, we, as I said before, we cover the full spectrum of credit and the, the full product spectrum for that matter, so that they have the opportunity of, first of all, coming on board with, for example, some of our customers coming on board with just business lending. It's a significantly lower barrier to entry in, on the, uh, let's say, the uh, regulatory level as well. Yeah. And then growing together with Bankish into other products and which they are just simply able to switch on. Yeah. I think that's absolutely brilliant for, uh, for their perspective to be able to grow and have the availability of all those different verticals in front of you. Uh, to be able to just, you know, at one point when I decide that I'm going to that market, I'm going to provide them this product and this way, it's literally minutes of uh, setting it up and drop down menus. Right. So they, uh, yeah, th those are the, the customer spectrum is, is really wide. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to our partners, then uh, we like to partner up particularly with uh, other solution providers that we see that we are complementing each other with. Right. Like, for example, uh, uh, the likes of ID verification services. Mm -hmm. By no means are we trust services professionals. So hence, while we're going for the likes of, uh, and, and name dropping some of my great partners over here, like Ondato from Lithuania, yeah. uh, like uh, uh, Onfido, uh, Jumio, some of the global players, very from Estonia, ID Now from Germany, you know, all of these great, great players. Uh, they are the ones who are providing the solutions for our customers. So ultimately, I'm not going to make a decision on behalf of them right. saying that you have to take that or you have to take those. Uh, that's, they are the ones who decided, so we just connect and make the infrastructure work for them, whatever they tell us. So, so essentially, Bankish acts almost like a, like a modular, modular platform where you can just plug in services from other partners and then offer them in a very simple Exactly. Way. And, and I, I, I would even go as far as to say that we're kind of like an integration layer, but on, on steroids, you know? <laughs> because we, we have the core ledger inside. They handle all of their business in one seamless environment. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but, but yeah, connecting with all of the different parties which, which are necessary. And for that matter, there have also been customers who are actually using a separate, a different core banking platform. One of the, what you would call them a legacy one or, or one of the, let's say the bulkier ones, which are meant for core banking activities, whilst we are more focused on the credit and deposits. Mm -hmm. um, then for that particular customer case, we are, proposing Bankish as a sort of like a middleware layer mm -hmm. where we're filling the gaps yes. of, of everything else what is missing be it the front-facing interfaces that's a small topic but everything else on the gaps of uh, some of the products like bringing a card infrastructure providers ID verifications as I mentioned before you know the full ordeal right okay and now in with, if we look at the, how the industry is changing and uh, how the uh, let's say the appetite for these type of solutions yep. keeps, keeps growing, um, what role do you think 
companies like Bankish play in overall lowering the barriers for entry for new competitors to show up. Exactly, you, you just uh, took the words straight out of my mouth. It's, it's, it is lowering the barriers of entry. I'll give you an example, actually. It was just two weeks ago that we signed uh, one of our newest customers that um, uh, a, a year back they uh, were looking around on the market and they, uh, they found out ultimately that, yeah, we're not going to be able to afford uh, a designated core for financial services part for the next one or two years, mm. um, and and then we um, then we came along and and we showed them that there is another way. So uh, now what we're doing for them is implementing the full core for them to be starting out on on significantly lower cost that you would have with any of the uh, legacy providers. Yeah. Because how we do it is actually quite simple. So what so the one thing being that we do it. Uh, do implementations according to the customer's needs, not according to what we think the customer's needs. So you, you right. get it, we're not doing integrations or developments if we don't see a significant amount from the market or, or a customer specifically telling us. Yeah. Yeah. So hence, we, we don't have such a high ho overhead that we would have to charge every customer more because of that, regardless of whether or not they're using this particular integration or functionality, right? Right. Uh, and the second thing is the uh, software as a service, let's say, pay as you grow modeling uh -huh. uh, by which we are determining the costs on the basis of what they are using mm -hmm. and the actual volumes that they're running on the platform so it's not about you know the number of applications or anything like that because right. we know that this doesn't really correlate with the business itself not too much but we are pricing it exactly on the basis of how many active contracts do you have as of today so if they are growing, we are growing as well. Yeah. And, and that's the sort of synergy that we're trying to create over here and, and have, have sort of like created even an ecosystem of financial institutions now. Yeah. Because if somebody needs some particular you know, enhancement to uh, operational efficiency or, or some sort of a functionality to be brought up, yeah. then the community benefits from it. When, when I hear stories like this, I, you know, it sounds exciting, but I, I can't help but think just how profound the transformation is because you're describing a complete different approach to banking, right? We're pricing, you're saying we're pricing on results, we're not pricing on capacity. And that, it sounds so obvious when you hear about it, but that's not how the industry has traditionally run. Mm -hmm. So I, I get really excited because, because this is a paradigm shift. And yeah. As you reduce the barrier for entries, at the end of the day, the, the people who benefit the most is people like myself, people like uh, customers who have access to more, co more competitive rates, better quality of service, and, and finally, like a real competitive in, uh, mm -hmm. arena within the financial services mm -hmm. sector, which is uh, it's exciting, I think. I, I, I completely agree. I couldn't, couldn't agree more because, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to be in this scene and to be doing what I do, uh, particularly because we, we can see that we can me really meaningfully make a difference. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> I, I think that it's very interesting that you brought out how the paradigm has already shifted, but I think it's going to be going even further mm -hmm. and how, how it's going to be changing in the, you know, we've come a long way five years, mm -hmm. but uh, within the next five years, a lot more is going to change, I think. And, and if you were, out, were to ask me personally whether I think it's going, I think it's it's going to get a lot more competitive in the financial services industry. Yeah. So at this point, we're we're going to have to start to think about so whether whether is the whether it's the customer who's paying for that, mm -hmm. or it's the financial institution. Let's say uh, working on their margins, working on their cost base, yeah. not to be you know uh, completely. 
uh, pricing everything straight to the customer back because at one point they're not going to be competitive anymore. Yeah, and this is where you see all of these, let's say, novel uh, business, let's say, ideas coming in as well in the financial services. You know, your buy now, pay later. You know, your embedded finance, which I'm, I'm a firm believer in. It's going to be a thing of the future, anyways, if it isn't already today. Yeah, uh, you, you, we're going to see a lot of new providers come in like specialized financial institutions, but mm -hmm. we're also going to see a lot of non-financial institutions step into the financial services market, embedding FS closer to their own product offering. And why not? Banks can do the same vice versa, but... Uh, well, well, they should. We'll see about that, how, how exactly that goes, because the banks, uh, as, as, as we've seen over the past, you know, five, maybe even to 10 years on this topic, mm. is that the banks aren't uh, really able to move as fast mm. as some of the corporations that are trying to do novel things. Banks are trying to replicate what, you know, it's, it's, it's novel to have a non-financial institution suddenly step up and be a competitor to a bank. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it's really tough to imagine something happening vice versa. So a bank becoming a direct competitor to a real estate company or, or wh whatever it might be, you know. Yeah. I'm sure there are cases in which it already uh, applies, but uh, I, I would argue that the, the majority of the growth is in the future is coming from over there. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and in fact, the, the, the tagline that we take is that in, in a few years, every company will be a fintech. If you want to remain relevant in the market, you can no longer have the luxury to say, oh, no, no, we're in real estate, <coughs> or no, we're manufacturing. You will have to have a fintech component within. within I agree. And I think that, uh, well, even though I'm kind of like conflicted internally about the word fintech, because uh, I, I very much uh, believe that uh, there is a vast difference between fintech and fintech right yeah. so there are uh, and i would i would argue maybe there's even like a third category of fintech so let me just quickly explain <laughs> so, uh, what i consider really deep down fintech with uh, capital f and capital t yeah. <laughs> are the financial technology companies the te technology enablers you would call them mm -hmm. Uh, particularly. Uh, then the second category of fintechs are those, uh, what I'm seeing a lot on the market, uh, various new greenfield financial institutions yeah. uh, branding themselves as fintechs, mm -hmm. which I reckon is fine as well. Mm -hmm. But ultimately what you were just saying, I think there is a third category of fintechs coming up, is uh, every company in the future being a fintech. It's not about creating fintech solutions, it's about utilizing it for the value proposition towards the customer. Exactly. You know? so, uh, so ultimately, yeah, I think that everyone should become a fintech. Yeah, yeah. No, this is really interesting. Okay. Um, I want to pick up on something you just said a, a minute ago, which is like, I'm, I'm rephrasing what you said, but, uh, and correct me if I got it wrong, but you're saying that we're only just starting to see the, the transformation and that, that shift in, in, in the market, right? So with, with that in mind, um, core banking, some AML, perhaps uh, verification services and some of the uh, capabilities that your partners provide, what do you think financial institutions will have to retain internally going forward as more and more of the value chain is disintermediated? I think it's, um, it's two main things from my perspective. One being um, the understanding, the general understanding of the tech, tech side itself. Mm -hmm. uh, you can have an external supplier, but you need to have an understanding and trust. 
uh, to it anyways. And the second part, definitely the operations. Uh, whereas we're seeing a lot of you know, banking as a service uh, propositions out there as well. Mm -hmm. I, I think that uh, we're, we're kind of like touching on the lines of going perhaps too far on the, on the operational, let's say standardization, mm -hmm. or, or let's say mm, taking, taking it away from the tables of, of the financial institutions. I think this is what, uh, what really, with providing services to your, your, to your uh, financial services customers, mm -hmm. I think what you definitely have to retain is full control of, of your own business uh, side, of operational things, of your own products, how you're doing that. Mm -hmm. right. and, and you would treat, let's say, technology more like an enabler, not, uh, not, not a, you know, a regular part in your, in your life, you know. Right, right. Yeah, it, it, so hearing what you're saying, it, it, it reminds me of the, of the typical case of BMW or, or, or Nike, right? That, that they're not really manufacturers of anything. They're basically just marketing companies and they aggregate services that are provided entirely yeah. by third parties, put them together and they bring them to market with some nice uh, yeah. visuals and, uh, and uh, branding and that sort of thing. Yeah, because I think, now without going like too deep into, <laughs> into you know, speculating whether or not uh, we, 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 they, they should be keeping some technical parts to themselves as well. Mm -hmm. I think it's fairly, uh, fairly good to today, at least assume on a, on a general level that uh, the, the financial institutions shouldn't be dealing with the tech, shouldn't be dealing with the IT to be developing out solutions. Right. This is where, where you have solution providers for. And I mean, like as of today already, um, you are uh, you have the cap uh, capabilities of uh, just hiring someone to do a website for you, mm -hmm. building out some sort of a portal for your customers to meaningfully engage in. And mm -hmm. by the way, we have a portal as well that our, our Greenfield customers can instantly implement and on as a white label basis. But that being said, yeah, uh, at one point it becomes necessary to have more of like personal touch to it. And mm -hmm. perhaps you want your customers to be able to do more self-service portal. Mm -hmm. And at this point, it's like, you, you don't have to use ours anymore. You just plug in your own, right. and those are the sort of components that that they would have to orchestrate. Uh, and and I'm more than happy, banks more than happy to be helping them orchestrate the full idea, right. but they shouldn't necessarily have to be building it. You know. Okay. And that's what I feel. Gotcha. All right. Um, just tell me if. Uh, if, if I was one of your customers and someone came and asked me, hey, what do you think about Bankish services? What, 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 what do you think your customers say about Bankish? The, you know, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the last things, and I have regular chat tops with, uh, with the customers. I give them a call every now and then, how are you doing, right? Because I don't typically engage with them on a daily basis, and I don't know if they have some sort of a bug or, or, or some sort of a mistake has happened somewhere, and they, they are doing with the DevOps people. Uh, they are handling on the development side, right? Mm -hmm. but, uh, but I give them a call every now and then, and, uh, and it's always, uh, you know, it's good, we're growing, we're really happy about this and that, and, uh, and if they have some sort of concerns that they always they know that they can come to me and and this is what I've uh, where I'm getting to is a uh, one uh, a very pleasant case uh, of, of customer feedback before they were our customer by the way uh -huh. was uh, last year in money 2020 in Amsterdam uh, in um, uh, yeah in September over there and then we had a, a, a lead whom with we've been in talks for a good couple of years they were taking it slow preparing for full launch starting out the Greenfield financial institution right mm -hmm. 
and uh, and they dropped by our booth with a uh, with with quite an esteemed professional from the financial services industry and came to us and uh, came to our booth over there at the uh, Estonian joint stand uh -huh. and said that hey meet Ian these are bankish these are the guys who over the course of past two years have had delivered on everything that they have said and at that point I was like so why won't you sign <laughs> <laughs> and and ultimately yeah, in the end of December we did sign and now they're a live customer uh, after after just a very quick you know a two three week implementation period <laughs> uh, we completely rolled them out as is uh, on, a, on a very uh, greenfield basis just kick-starting their business in a, in a couple of weeks and and now they're uh, operating with us the last time I was in uh, uh, in in, um, in Sweden uh, I, I got a chance to meet up with them as well, and yeah. they were all smiles. <laughs> yes. All right, uh, just to close, uh, tell us what's Bankish, Bankish vision uh, for the next five years, and, and what role do you expect to play in the, in the, in the broader financial services ecosystem? I, I think it's um, from, a, uh, from, from two perspectives, actually. One being where, where Bankish would be, and the other being where the financial services will be. Mm -hmm. uh, most definitely, affecting each other <laughs> at least the financial services uh, affecting bankish or but we'll see how much we can do for the financial services in just five years as well yeah uh, but um, I think that what we are doing is we're definitely uh, we're, we're growing we're evolving I mean we just kick-started uh, in 2019 with a credit management solution virtually a, a, an LMS to be handling the full credit life cycle uh, and uh, have been developing ever since introducing new modules bringing on deposits making it really a core banking solution mm -hmm. so uh, I think what was what will be coming in the future is that we, we will see our customers grow to be banks mm -hmm. one of the first ones actually I just wanted to uh, give out a huge congratulations to Finora Capital who over the over the course of uh, last years when they've been working with us have now obtained the banking license and are running their bank fully on bank which is brilliant our first bank customer um, uh, but but yeah, we're we're going to see a lot more of that. Uh, we can see our customers growing. Uh, we us, ourselves addressing new customers, uh, bigger ones perhaps. And uh, and what I think that will be more to the lines of what I was saying before, more to the lines of like general. What where will financial services be? Are the likes of non-financial institutions stepping into the financial services markets? And and this is where we can definitely make a huge difference. Uh, supplying our solutions to them, helping them kickstart and, and helping them validate uh, their, their ideas, validate their opportunities over there and see, I mean, ultimately, if, uh, if, it, if they deem that it's okay, it's not relevant for us, uh, we gave it a good shot, it's not working out, mm. then uh, compared to many of the legacy providers, their overheads significantly lower. Yeah. So they, they will walk away with, uh, with their uh, with their heads high from this, if that should happen. But yeah. uh, we haven't seen any customer fail with us any, yet. So we are we're hoping to continue on that note. Well, Ian, uh, you got us all fired up about the future. So thank you so much for coming and, and sharing your insights with us. Thank you for having me. It, was, it has been really interesting.